Good morning. You're tuned in to 98.3 The Vibe, and you're tuned into The Image Show. We've got some great guests this morning. Uh, we're going to start off with a gentleman that has an incredible story. He's from Los Angeles, California. Uh, he moved to Des Moines. Uh, he's had some ups and downs in life. However, right now he's on the right path. Uh, he's a f- single father who's raised his children. Uh, I mean, this guy is just phenomenal. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce LaSalle Waldrip. LaSalle, it's a pleasure to have you on the show this morning. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Now, uh, LaSalle, first, I, I just want to start off uh, with your childhood. Uh, you're 52 years old. Uh, you're from Los Angeles, California. Uh, the projects of that we call the Watts. And uh, I know that that's not one of the most friendliest projects in the United States. And being a uh, African-American in Des Moines that's from there, I think that you have a lot to share. And uh, we just want to hear a little bit about your change, uh, kind of uh, a little bit about the direction that you're moving into. I know that you're a single father. Uh, you've raised three kids. You brought them here. And, I mean, things seem to just uh, continue to keep moving forward in your life from employment perspective. Uh, you have your CDL five or CDL A's and B's, correct? That's correct. Okay, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, since you started off um, my childhood, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I grew up in Watts, Los Angeles, which is a district in Los Angeles. I was attracted, like a lot of other young kids, to the streets. A lot of negative behavior that led to my extensive confinement. Later on in life, I decided to change. And LaSalle, I think I've probably been knowing you for maybe, oh, a few months now. And uh, ever since I started working at the Evelyn K. Davis Center, you've always came in uh, very respectful, looking for jobs. Uh, I believe you uh, got started with your CDLs through the Evelyn K. Davis Center, the referral through there. Is that correct? That's correct. And now you're working. um, You're making good money. uh, You're supporting your family. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about... First of all, uh, growing up in Watts and the gang activity and the incarceration and a little bit about your uh, history. Uh, So, you know, Des Moines, Iowa, we're known for having gangs and, and it's, you know, one of the things that's become catastrophic all over the country. But Los Angeles is where it originated from. And so I want you to talk to us a little bit about uh, your affiliation, uh, you know, how you grew up, how you came about, kind of the ins and outs about it. Give us some education on it. Well, my education goes back um, probably was 12 years old, the beginning of my um, confinement. My affiliation was Watts Vladio Gray Street, and that was my attraction that led to me expending it long at the period of time in confinement. I want to get a chance to participate in the public school system because I spent that time in confinement off and on. Just involved in a lot of negative things in the community that led to that confinement that I didn't get a chance to get the education because I forfeited that with the negative activity that I did. And and I I would imagine there was a lot of distraction uh, being in a bigger city growing up like that. Yes, yes. A lot of distraction, a lot of violence, just a lot of negative... um, things that took place in my life, a lot of sad stories, a lot of funerals. You said a, a lot of funerals? A lot of funerals. Okay. So what street were you brought brought up on? I was brought up on um, 103rd and uh, Wilmington, which is a 
street located in Watts. Was born in New Homes, which is a not a housing project, but uh, it's exactly what it says, New Homes, which is down the street from the housing projects. Okay, and so now in California, I know that the uh, gang affiliation is uh, pretty much acquainted with the street that you grew up on. Correct? correct, correct. Okay, so you grew up, you said, on Grape Street? Uh, not on Grape Street. The neighborhood is um, where I grew up at. It is considered Grape Street. But we do have a street in Watts called Grape Street, but I wasn't raised on that street. I was raised two streets from Grape Street, which would be Wilmington. Okay. And where the New Homes is located at. And what was the gang affiliation uh, name on that street or that affiliation? Well, the, uh, the gang was um, called um, Watts Valley or Grape Street during the time that I grew up in Watts. That's, that was... Um, that was the gang name, Wadsworth or Gray Street, okay. and inside that is so many different fractions of Gray Streets because um, that's just how things is in Los Angeles. You know, gangs have sub little homies or whatever from the neighborhood to carry on their own branch of that neighborhood. So, okay, so these were the Crips affiliation. Yes, right? the Crips, no doubt. Okay, and so uh, now, growing up in that affiliation, and then uh, ultimately your transformation. Uh, let's talk about that. Uh, you started a nonprofit organization in uh, Los Angeles, California, in your neighborhood, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. And what was the name of that nonprofit organization? Well, the name of the nonprofit organization that started with was called Watts Vision Grow. Watch Visions Grow. That was a uh, <clears throat> that was the name of it. But before Watch Visions Grow, they gave me an introduction, which a lot of um, homeboys of mine. We all started a nonprofit called Man with a Plan, and so it was thirty of us with Man with a Plan. Okay. But we didn't have all the tools to be effective. We was effective in the community because of who we was, but we weren't effective for as the protocols that's needed in order to do nonprofit. Well, you can't straddle the fence. When you do the work, you got to be 100. You know, so it was a lot of members that wasn't 100. So it was a lot of conflict. But it sparked off an ideal inside my head that I can take the acronyms from my neighborhood, which was Watts Vadio Gray Street, and turn it into Watts Visions Grow. And so me and my cousin Andre Christian, known as Lowdown, that's what we did. So we we started and we got the nonprofit registered Watts Visions Grow. And we was actually living in Riverside at the time, so we actually started off in Riverside. The city is a county, and there's a city in Riverside that we started off in Moreno Valley. And so we started doing the work there, and um, then we started doing it in the community once we got established. Uh, I noticed that uh, you're a pretty intelligent guy, LaSalle. What gave you the inspiration to start this nonprofit organization? I realized it's still my lengthy time of in confinement, all the, you know, the experiences and looking up to people that was, you know, fake, phony, and a fraud, you know, and it led to a lot of destruction. It led to me um, yeah, experiencing a lot of sad times, you know, betrayal. And so I just wanted to be a part of something that was more given since I grew up as a taker. So I figured that in this format, I can be a more of a giver of the new, the new me. Things that I have learned, the transition inside my head, my heart, that I acquired, that I want to make a difference in the community that I helped destroy. So I figured the better way to do it was to start a nonprofit with the acronyms of um, the same community that I grew up in. 
That's great, man. You've got a great story. And now I want to talk a little bit about your uh, CDL class, B and A's that you have. Uh, what actually uh, does your job entitle now today in Des Moines, Iowa? Uh, right now, I've been blessed. And I thank um, AK Davis Center for that blessing and helping me acquire the Class A driver's license that helped change me financially um, in so many ways. Um, you know, I completed the class. I got A's and I got picked up by a big company, one of the largest distribution companies that I go to work every day from 2.30 in the morning to at least 3 or 4. And they pay me handsomely. And um, I drive an 18-wheeler truck with a trailer and I just deliver products throughout the whole state of Iowa, South Dakota, and Kansas. That's great, man. And, you know, I know a lot of people that come up to uh, the job site and they're looking to get into their CDLs and uh, start becoming a truck driver. And I'm just kind of curious, what kind of money do you guys make doing that? Well, um, it really depends on if you want to go on the road, you'd be taken away from home. You can make a lot of money doing that. But if you get hired on by some of the big companies like the one that I'm I'm working for, they start you off with, you know, $24.64 an hour. That's oh, what that's you good. get paid. But you can make $30 an hour. It depends on um, how fast you do your job and how far you travel to do your job. So the pay is really up to yourself. You know, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, that's great. You spend a lot of time on the road, I would imagine. Um, yeah and no. Because um, I stay within the state of Iowa. Okay. You know, I mainly go to um, Iowa City, Cedar Rapids, um, Centerville, Leon, um, Atoma. Um. Now, would you say that this is a job that uh, you are actually doing that is a part of your passion? Yes, it's a part of my passion and, 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 and driving to make my earned income to take care of these kids I have, you know. Okay, so what about the nonprofit organization that you started back in, in Los Angeles? Is that still continuing to, to move yeah, forward? Yeah, that nonprofit is still continuing going on. I, I left it with um, Andre Christian and let him do it. I got tired of doing the work in the city. Um, I got tired of burying the kids. And, you know, the things that I did down there, I did strategy program. I did... Um, <clears throat> I did the buyback gun program with the city. Um, I did all kind of things in the city. You know, it's you know doing nonprofit is it's unlimited. So I just got tired, and I had these new kids that um, that I had by design because I needed a new purpose to drive me to be all I can be. And you know, LaSalle, I give you a lot of credit because number one, uh, you are an African American man here in Des Moines, Iowa, raising your three kids uh, single handedly. Single handedly. And you know, you get uh, props in my book for doing that. Um, I consider you uh, a better man than me right now because I wish that uh, I had all of my kids in my household that I could actually uh, be raising and, uh, you know, structuring and, and just doing all the things that, that make me uh, a father. And so tell me a little bit about the challenges of that, uh, the benefits, you know, the different uh, stress that may come with it, the responsibilities. Well, the responsibilities is, um, can be overwhelming sometimes. But these kids, these three kids right here, Lil LaSalle, Samir, as well as Sala, I had them by design because I needed a purpose-driven, you know. And if I didn't have a purpose-driven, 
I probably would have resorted to the, some of the same behavior that led to my confinement. And so, you know, I actually had to plead with their mother in order to have these kids because I, I knew that I was going to be the best man that I can possibly be by raising them. So I've been having them since day one, since they came out the womb. And so I took a transition here to Des Moines, Iowa to bring them in a different environment where nobody didn't know me where I can get a chance to to, to do the things that, that need to be done to raise these kids. So, you know, we started off at St. Joseph's Shelter, you know, over eight years ago. They was um, like three years old, two, as well as four. And um, from St. Joseph's Shelter, I landed a gig at the Morris Public School in transportation. So through that, it enabled me to um, learn a lot in dealing with other people's kids in the community, as well as raising my own. And from there, then I, you know, since the YMCA, Rick Singleton was um, instrumental in my life at the time I was in the shelter. When I got my Class B driver's license for the school district, I decided to take on the challenge to transport kids and families at the YMCA. So I've been there five years doing that. And um, I just decided that, you know, for the last six, seven years in transporting kids throughout the city of Des Moines, I, I, I wanted to... I wanted to make more money, you know, it, it just, I just needed more money. So I just, you know, I resigned and I seen um, um, Davis Center had the um, CDL pro, um, program going on. So I say, if I get my class A's, I can make more money. So I went over there and dedicated myself through the summertime for the six weeks to complete that course and got my, my A's. So I changed, I changed my life, it changed my income double time. And so um, then, you know, working with Home Inc., which is a nonprofit organization, I was able to build a house for these kids from the ground up. So we wow. have a brand new home. Amazing. Simply know. amazing. Right. And uh, I would imagine it feels pretty good as a man to know that right now you have a good job, you have a home, and you have children that you have raised and have been in their life since day one. Since day one. And we've also been a part of um, the men's ministry, Michael Hurst, Pastor Hurst, uh, for every um, Saturday from 8 o'clock until 9. Ever That's since great. I've been here, I've been going there and, and hearing a lot of different testimonies that inspired me. That's great. We're going to go to a quick commercial. We'll be back. You're tuned into The Image Show. We'll be back after these messages. And we're back on The Image Show. We've got LaSalle Waldrip in the house. LaSalle is from Los Angeles, California, Watts neighborhood. And he's talking about how he was able to turn his uh, negative into a positive and uh, the benefits of being a man, raising your kids, handling your responsibilities. Uh, LaSalle, um, I've got some more questions to ask you regarding uh, Los Angeles, California. Now, I've, I've been out there uh, in previous years. I loved it. I love the weather. It's always one of my favorite places to go visit. Being from Los Angeles and growing up in that Watts, Grape Street neighborhood, what would you say some of the benefits are? Obviously, uh, the crime is, is much lower in Des Moines than it is in Los Angeles. But what would you say some of the other benefits are? Some of the benefits in Des Moines opposed to Los Angeles? Uh, let me understand that question if I can answer it right. Well, I mean, like, uh, first of all, I see you raising your kids here. Now, you raised your—these are the same kids that you brought from Los Angeles. Right. They was babies. Okay. Yeah. 
Now, we all know that Iowa is a much safer place to raise kids. Correct, yes. Uh, how has that played out in your life? Do you think that that's been uh, more of a challenge to have your kids in maybe schools that are predominantly Caucasian and harder to adjust to versus uh, Los Angeles? Uh, no, the answer to that question is it's been beautiful for me and the kids here. Uh, you know, Des Moines have the best education system. My kids have received the benefit of that education. Make me feel proud. I've been involved in the educations at the schools. Um, they got a tremendous program at Des Moines Public School for its education. They love these kids. They give them the tools in order to be successful. I love that about them. Opposed to being in Los Angeles, they would have heard the past who their daddy used to be opposed to who he is today. So that probably would affect me and trying to raise them, you know, um, they could have been subjected to any kind of criminal activity because it runs daily, rampantly, you know, so those are some of the challenges. That is beautiful, man. You have a great attitude, I must say. Uh, I, I like to hear this because I hear such the opposite from a lot of guys that come in uh, from different bigger cities. And yes. so uh, I'm glad that you appreciate that. Now, going back to the nonprofit organization that you started while you were in Los Angeles during this uh, transition of your life, right, right. you said that uh, you had different sponsors, you had people uh, that were willing to help. And I noticed uh in our earlier conversation, uh, before we came to the radio station, you said that there were celebrities. I know Los Angeles, California itself, is just filled with celebrities. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those celebrities that actually uh, were looking to help you and lend a helping hand? Well, my <clears throat> biggest celebrity support was uh, Pete Carroll, USC coach Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, you know, he owned Better L.A., and so through Pete Carroll, through Unity One, which is uh, was the new president, uh, Cornell Ward became the new president. I grew up with him as a kid. And so um, I was able to so much cut the lines, you know. So a lot of the, the things that I received as far as benefits to provide to the community, I got from Unity One via through Pete Carroll. And so, um, you know, Denzel Washington sponsored us, um, Finn Rain. Um, let's see, you got Danny Bakewell. You had um, Jim Brown, you know, American, you know, wow. so we did some interacting with them. Um, it, it was on and on. I worked it with the congressman, Janice Hans. That must have been fun. Oh, yeah, it was it was it was beautiful. you know, working with them and being able to, to give, you know, and, and as opposed to growing up as a taker. And so I realized the power that I had in the community because of who I used to be. I was able to do a lot of intervention, you know with a lot of the knuckleheads down there because they say if I can change, they can change. So I brought a different perspective to that format. So I just got tired of it is because um, I, I feel I realized that I was more responsible for these young kids that I had and I need to introduce them to something different. And so we, we, we traveled, you know, we traveled, we came here and, and that's why I came here to be determined to be successful with these kids and introduce them to a, a better quality of life, that they can have a fair opportunity to grow and not experience a lot of the violence that they would experience if we would have tried it in Los Angeles. And so, and I realized right here, attitude is everything. If you have the right attitude, you can get a job. They'll teach you how to perform that job. They Amen. just need the right attitude. That's all. And now that you're in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, what are some of the things that you see that need changes? What are some of the uh, ways that you've been beneficial in helping? What I've been beneficial in helping, what's been a big blessing to me is that the love I've been able to give to the kids in the city of Des Moines. I don't care what color it is or whatnot. Um, as a bus driver, I met so many different kids. I didn't bought them coats, shoes, 
Um, I take them to um, Spaghetti Works on Mondays. Kids eat free at Spaghetti Works on Mondays. I take them to Chili's on Tuesdays. Kids eat free at Chili's on Tuesdays. I take them to Boom, Iowa. They've never been to Boom. I take them to ride the train every year. It's the wow, Polar Express. Good, you know? So there's a lot of things that I found out that, that you can do in um, Des Moines that you know, kids can't participate in and actually get in free. You know, you just got somebody to be able to reach out to them and take them there. That's great. I mean, it sounds like you've got a full plate, and I don't know how hard or how difficult uh, this is. It seems like by the way you're talking, it's just real smooth. Yes, yeah, it's, it's smooth because, like I say, uh, you know, as I grew up as a confinement, I wasn't guaranteed to be here today. So by me changing my way of thinking and changing my whole life, I realized the blessing that I have, and so I just try to give it to the kids because it's not their fault what they're experiencing, right? So I see that I can make a difference. Well, Asal, it sounds like you've got a lot of things to offer to the community, man. And uh, I'm just thankful that you were able to come on the show. Uh, I'm glad that you were able to bring your kids in here. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see, like I said, another man uh, taking the responsibility, raising their kids. And I just I think that you're a great example uh, to the Des Moines community and what you're doing. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. And if I may say, um, I would just hope it would be more more parents, more fathers, especially fathers, men's you know, step up a little bit and participate inside the school district. The school district have a lot of programs for these kids. They need to see more men come up in there and support these kids. They need to show up in so many different programs. These kids need to see that that leadership from men showing that concern Amen. about them, you know, because they see me come up in there and some of the kids call me their dad or they wish I was their father. And I try to do everything in, in my power to show them that, hey, I'll be whoever you want me to be. I just want to see success because I've been watching them grow up. I've, I've been seeing them when they was in elementary and junior high and high school and they see me, they make me feel like I'm a celebrity. <laughs> you know, wow. I'm, I'm a celebrity to them. So, yeah, and that's a beautiful feeling. Where did you uh, develop a lot of these uh, respectful habits sure probably just by being in the and probably in the devil's den when around a lot of negative stuff you know i just got tired of being around a, a lot of negative um you know perspective you know and how you know a lot of men how they speak about the woman you know how they refer to her and i was like man they you know we all come from a have a mother you know and then when we go in confinement the only ones who write us is is the women you know? <laughs> That's right. right. Now, LaSalle, you are 52 years old. How much of your life have you already lost to the departments of corrections? Sure, 30 years at least. Wow. That's amazing, man. That, that, that's amazing. And to see you and your change, I really uh, pray that you continue on your success. And again, uh, I'd like to see you come back on the show and just give us a little bit more knowledge. It's very inspiring. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate for having me on the show to get a chance to express, you know, my experience right here in Des Moines. It's been beautiful for me. You know, um, you know, the opportunity is, is, is there. And I've been taking advantage of the opportunity. God didn't open up doors and I walk right in them. You know, so that's my story. Amen. And, you know, your daughter's over here. What is her name? Uh, the oldest one is LaSalle. Named after me, the greatest man in the world. LaSalle. And the other one is Samir. Samir. Uh, yeah. She's okay. Now, LaSalle, since you are the closest to your father and your sister is recording, could you come over and just come up to the mic for just a second? And first of all, I wanna want you to... Just let us all know uh, your name and 
uh, your age? My name is LaSalle Waldrop, and I'm 14. And how important is it to know that you had a dad that's been in your corner since day one? Good, because I don't turn out to be something. Could you speak up a little bit? It's good because I didn't want to turn out to be what my dad used to be. How important is it uh, to have a father in your life? Very important because most of my friends only have their moms. Amen. Thank you. And uh, to the Image Nation out there, we appreciate you tuning in. Coming up next, we're going to speak with Deidre Dejir, and we're going to talk a little bit about government shutdown and the effects that it has on the community. LaSalle, again, it was nice having you on the show, my brother, and I wish nothing but success for you and your children. Thanks for receiving us, brother. I appreciate this. We'll be back on The Image Show after these messages. And we're back on The Image Show. We've got Deidre DeGier in the house with the Financial Empowerment Center at the Evelyn K. Davis Center for Working Families. Deidre, it is a pleasure to have you back on the show. I'm happy to be back. Thanks for having me. No problem. Today's topic uh, is going to be small businesses. And Deidre, uh, with your experience, your education, your knowledge, uh, I'm thrilled uh, for you to be in here and just to be talking about this, giving the community some uplifting educational knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, small businesses are, are very key to uh, a thriving economy. Our small business owners provide jobs, they're providing for their families, and they add value, giving us an opportunity to shop with them whenever we have the resources to do so. And, um, you know, right now, uh, there's some difficulty with our small businesses throughout the country. Sure. And now, Dietra, before we go into this, I just want you to talk a little bit about what you do. Uh, we all know uh, about your uh, education, your successes. You were running for Secretary of State and uh, kind of moving into the employment or excuse me, the education uh, that uh, we get into with employment and some of the core values of the Evelyn K. Davis Center and the um, financial boot camps. Getting into the small business, can you talk a little bit about how the economy is now being affected with the uh, government shutdown? Sure. So, I mean, when you think about the shutdown, uh, often we have been hearing that number 800,000 federal employees are being impacted. And that's a true statement. Those employees are being impacted. Those people who are employed um, by a number of different departments throughout the country. However, the impact that the shutdown has on those 800,000 employees is also impacting folks who aren't employed by the federal government. When we think about our small business owners specifically, uh, small businesses provide uh, resources to the federal government. And with the shutdown, it's it, those resources can't really be provided in all of the departments. When we think about the military and uh, we think about some of the other uh, departments that uh, our small businesses are providing, whether it's research, whether it's uh, goods and services, these things are being impacted because of the shutdown. When we think about those 800,000 employees, they have to eat lunch every day. And if they're not in in uh, at work and going to lunch, uh, those businesses are experiencing some slowdown in some cases. And when a business is experiencing a slowdown, what do they do? Call people off. Don't come to work. And and so it's a ripple effect. And uh, we, we have to make sure when we're making decisions that those decisions are at the best interest of, of all people. And unfortunately, we we see some small businesses anecdotally, even on Twitter, talking about how this shutdown is negatively impacting them. 
Wow, this is such great information. And you're making this sound so practical. I mean, now, so tell me, <clears throat> the business is shutting down, the small business is shutting down. First of all, how many, uh, well, not shutting down, but unable to operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many small businesses do we have in the community of Des Moines? You know, I'm not specific on how many we have in Des Moines for sure, but we know we have over 270,000 small businesses in the state of Iowa. And uh, these business owners are veteran-owned businesses, they're women-owned businesses, they're minority-owned businesses. They provide employees for, or provide jobs for almost 700,000 employees um, throughout the state. And so uh, our small businesses are a big deal. They provide jobs for almost 50% of the workforce in the state of Iowa. And and so some of them, especially the ones that have military contracts or, or contracts with the federal government, uh, they, they're not getting paid just like the federal employees aren't getting paid in some cases. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that some of this is going to come to an end so that our small businesses can get back to work. Because remember, in the beginning, I said, our small businesses provide jobs for people. Uh, many of the folks in our community are employed by small business owners, and we want to make sure that um, the support that they get from our, our federal workers um, goes back to normal so that they can get people back to work. You know, I was listening to a story this morning where a woman who's a small business owner on the East Coast, uh, she has about 10 employees. And in the past, when there have been difficulties with cash flow with the federal government, uh, she has sacrificed her own salary so that her employees could get paid. Wow. But this go-round, she's pregnant and expecting. And so it's like, I've got some other interests at stake right now. And she's hopeful that something's going to come of this, and it's not going to last as long um, as uh, some would hope for it to last. Incredible. And, you know, when you think about uh, government shutdowns, recessions, some of these things, uh, they come so all of a sudden that we're just not prepared for them. Mm-hmm. And I know that through the Empowerment uh, Financial Center, uh, mm-hmm. excuse me, I misworded that, the uh, uh, Empowerment... Financial Empowerment Financial Center. Empowerment mm-hmm. Center. Uh, I know that you elaborate and teach on a lot of these different things in the programs that are offered there. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So we provide financial education um, through workshops and one-on-one coaching opportunities. And when I say one-on-one coaching opportunities, you know, workshops are good for people to just get overall information. But workshops don't necessarily change your life um, in a day. And so in addition to those workshops, we provide one-on-one coaching so someone can sit down with one of our personal financial coaches free of charge uh, and and work through their personal financial situation. And so if there's folks out there that are impacted by this shutdown, this might be a rude awakening so that we can sit down with you. One of our mantras is that we want each and every one of the people who uh, sit down with us to have a goal of savings. And sometimes savings can be arbitrary, but we suggest that each and every individual have at least three months worth of 
their bills in their savings account. So if each month you pay $1,500 in bills, then that means in your savings account, you should have $4,500. Why? So in case of a shutdown or in case of a a loss of job or in case of um, a, a disability situation that happens, you have three months to get things together without having to suffer. Your, your rent's going to get paid. You're, you're going to get your groceries taken care of. Whatever you need to do for your kids, all of that's going to be taken care of. And so for folks out there who, who want that, who, who don't want to have to suffer in the case of an emergency, we welcome you to come to the center and we'll sit down with you and, and make some plans so that you have a pathway to success. This is such valuable information. Now, Deidre, for those of you uh, out there who have just tuned in, we have Deidre Dejir, and she is the uh, director of the Financial Empowerment Boot Camp, or excuse me, the Financial Empowerment uh, center. center. <laughs> as okay. long as you get financial and empowerment, we're good to go. We are the, good to go. The Financial <laughs> Empowerment Center. And Dietra, do you have a number out there or a contact information for the people that may be interested in getting involved? Yes. In if you're thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm liking what she's saying. It's the new year. I want to improve my financial situation or I've got some things going on right now and I've got a rude awakening that I'm ready to change my financial situation, you're thinking, hmm, I'm ready to take control of my financial situation. Rather than work for my money, I want my money to work for me. You can go to empowermoney.org, empowermoney.org, and schedule an appointment right now. Now, we're not going to do the appointment right now, but you can schedule the appointment right now for a future date, and we'll sit down with you and walk through this process hand in hand because you deserve it. You, You deserve it. I mean, when you go to sleep at night, the last thing that we want you to be worried about is your financial situation. Um, We want that to be well taken care of. I agree. And, you know, I can tell you uh, as a witness that uh, the Evelyn K. Davis Center, all the different programs that are offered there, it's amazing. Uh, The Financial Empowerment Center. I mean, this stuff that is going on right in the Des Moines community, it, it kind of rides under the radar. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, as more people uh, get more acquainted with uh, the Image Show and the Evelyn K. Davis Center, they'll see that there's help out there in the community available. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of taking advantage of the different mm-hmm. programs that's out there. Very true. And like I said, this is a free service, but it's a quality service. The reason why it's free is because we worked really hard to get the funding to provide a quality service to the public. And so there are no income restrictions. We work with low to income, low income people, meaning little to no money. We've help people manage their food stamps um, so that by the end of the month, they're not running out of dollars to support their family, to provide food for their families. And and we go from low to all the way to moderate income. And that's like $80,000 take home. And and so we can help you uh, refine your financial situation and and create a plan of victory that, that is equivocal to the goals that you want to accomplish. Amazing. You know, Deidre, it is just a pleasure to work with you. It's an honor to have you here. And I must say, uh, as far as I can think of, you are probably one of the most educated, uh, highly enlightened 
African-American lady that I believe I've ever met. Oh, thanks, I mean, Robert. You're not too bad yourself. <laughs> I mean, I'm not all that, but... <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, it's not every day that you get to, to hear people actually uh, articulate their words and communicate on such an educational level with passion, and that's what you seem to do. Sure. And I just wanted to give you that compliment. I wanted to tell you thank you very much for being on the show. Of course. And if there's anything else that you have to say uh, to the Image Nation out there, uh, please. Emanation Empower money.org. Go to that website. You'll find more information about the work that we do. And you know, I know that finances is very, very important to us um, just as a people. But a lot of times in the midst of all of the priorities that we have in life, you know, reclaiming our financial situation often falls down the list on the priorities and we don't get to it. And so I'm beckoning each and every one of you to just make a change in 2019. Um, we'll help you set that plan and and help you hold yourself accountable. It's not going to be easy, but but the good stuff never comes easy. Never. It looks like we're about out of time. So uh, to all of our listeners out there, we want to say thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is Robert Pate. Until next time, have a great week.